0: Hey, good morning, people. Good morning, people of Calvary Church. Good morning, those that are watching online. Hello through the screen. Good morning, those that are out in the courtyard. What are you, it's like 98 out there. You guys are brave. Well done. Um, But wherever you are, welcome people. As we talk about people this morning, you probably or hopefully uh, received uh, a journal Uh, over the last couple weeks. I want you to turn, if you have it now, to page 10. Page 10 of that journal. If you haven't received one yet, we have some available in the lobby if you're here on campus or out in the courtyard. Uh, If you want to get it later, that's fine too. But page 10 of our We Value journal, I just want to read a couple of lines from what it talks about when it says that we as a church value people. It says this. I'm just going to read the entire paragraph, so buckle up. (laughs) It says, we value people. People are the mission. And then we have some wonderful references. We'll get to a couple this morning. It says, people are the point. We don't invest in programs or projects as an end. They're always the means in order for us to minister to people. Everyone matters to God and ought to matter to us. A mark of maturity is to consider the needs of others above our own as servant-hearted followers of Jesus. So we look for ways to love our neighbor well, caring for the needs we find in our community and showing mercy to the least of these. We believe warmth is the new cool, seeking ways to practice generous hospitality turning strangers into friends and friends into family as we care for each other with Christ's love and grace. We always have room at the table for more, so we reach out and we invite others to take part in life here at Calvary. And we all must be apprenticed by another person, discipleship. That's a little farther along in the journey than we are, and we must seek out that person personally and passionately. So the hope is, what I just read, is actually already true of the people of Calvary Church. It's what we value, it's what we consider important. But we also recognize as we go through this value series that we're hoping this is a marker already of our church, but we're also hoping that we grow in this. How many of you need to grow in your love for people? I'm like raise my hand up as high as I can. Should be 100% of us. We all have room to grow. We're all inviting the Holy Spirit to grow us in our compassion and love for people. Check out this number. 7,891,664,500 are give and take people. This is how many people live in our world Today. I rounded it up a little bit, just by a couple. Seven billion people live in our world. By 2024, it will be eight billion. In 2042, we will cross nine billion people in this world. It's a lot of people, right? Our our world is full. Linus from uh, the Charlie Brown Peanuts comic, uh, he was once quoted in one of these comics as saying, I love the whole world. I just don't really like the people. (laughs) And it's true. There's a lot of people that that are in our world, and how do we possibly get along with all of them and, and even potentially love them? But every once in a while, something breaks through in our lives that shows us how special people are how shows us how valuable each person and their story is. This number of 7 billion all of a sudden becomes one. As something breaks into our life to help us understand the value of people. This weekend we celebrate, really honor, remember, 20 years since 9-11. It's not a great photo. I don't know if you can kind of see it behind me or on the screens, but, but this is uh, the memorial pool, the fountain at the footprint of where the two towers fell. It's the largest man-made waterfall in the world. And what you can see at the bottom of the screen is a few names. Those are a couple of the names of the 2,900 and 83 people who lost their lives 20 years ago this weekend. 7 billion people all of a sudden got funneled down to 2,983. As every one of these people matter. Each of them had stories and, and families attached to their name. They're more than names, they're They're people. If you've ever found yourself in New York, maybe you've seen a memorial that's been up the last 10 years. If if you ever get to Manhattan, you you owe it to yourself. Make the journey down to lower Manhattan to see this memorial. It's just, it's powerful. 2,983 lives memorialized there. In fact, I just want to take a moment now and I just want to pray for the families that are still mourning 20 years later, our country that is still even putting the pieces of that incident together, and even our, our world. So would you just pray for me now? Pray with me now. Father, we, uh, we lift up uh, the families of all 2,983 people who lost their lives. God, this weekend has a profound impact on them. God, in your mercy, would you just comfort them? Heal them in their grief. Help them to know that you are with them. God, for our nation as we pause this weekend, God, help us to know that you have not abandoned us, but you are close to the brokenhearted. You are near and moving and active. And Lord, for our world in places like Afghanistan, God, move. We beg and plead you to to work. You love people. Would you demonstrate that in in amazing ways in our world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So you go to 9-11, you see each of these names, you're you're struck with with the value of people. Vincent Van Gogh, the the artist, said it like this, I feel there's nothing more truly artistic than to love people. There's something so unique and, and special about people. And then we go to a Costco on a Sunday afternoon, <laughs> and you're pulling your cart with kind of the red uh, kind of stripes around it, and you're like, "Get out of my way, people!" <laughs> it can go quickly go from being here in this worship experience and going, "Every person matters," to being in a place like Costco and being like, "Ugh, people." But there's a biblical truth that I want to just remind us, refresh us with this morning, and that is that people matter to God. There's this great Latin phrase, Imago Dei. Everybody say it, one, two, three. Don't you feel smart just saying something in Latin? Imago is image, Dei is God. Image of God is how we translate this. It's this theological concept that every single person is made in the image of God. Imago day. Where do we get this concept in the scriptures? It's listed all throughout the scriptures, but I want to point out a couple places. The first is in the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Good place to start. So open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, the first chapter in the Bible. And we read about Imago Day. I'm going to place on the screen verse 27 because that's where I want to sit. But I also want to read to you verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And then I'll go into verse 27 and then stop. I'm reading from the New Living Translation Bible. This is actually uh, the Bible that's in the seat rack in front of you if you're here uh, in the worship center. So feel free to grab that Bible if you need one. And, And if you need one at home, take it with you. Genesis 1, 26 says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky And over the livestock livestock and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. And then look at verse 27. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Amago day. Huge, huge ramifications for our lives, uh, these two verses. We get the idea from uh, this passage that God is the creator of humans. Maybe that's a simple point when you read this, but I think it's worth saying uh, in this modern world. God is our creator. It says right here that he created them. Male and female, God created them. Imagine Da Vinci showing up at the Louvre in France and, and, and peeking in on people uh, as they look at Mona Lisa. This incredible um, just painting that's priceless and people whispering to themselves, oh, that's so cool. Look, that, that, was, that was painted by, by Matt Doan. <laughs> and Da Vinci just being like, what in the world? No, no, it was, it was, it was made by me. wonder what God's heart is like when we as his creatures don't attribute creation to him the creator god is our wonderful amazing miraculous creator that's the first thing that i see from this passage and then it says that we're made in his image meaning that there's some attributes qualities characteristics of god that are seen in people. Now it's a little mysterious because we don't have the mind of God. If we totally understood what it meant to be made in the image of God, then we would have the mind of God. And that would make us like God. And that's where it breaks down. But there's something, something about God that we, we can kind of say, yeah, I, I kind of see a likeness in us that yeah, it kind of does point towards him. One would be we're relational. God is a relational relational God. The triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have perfect unity, perfect relationship. God created us to be relational beings. There's something about how we're craving relationships that, that make us or show us that, that we resemble, that, that we're made in this image of God. There's some dim mirror that, that points our lives towards the, the reality of God. God. We also have as people some limited ability to create and to rule over things. Verse 26 says that we were given as people the the dominion over animals. And so somehow our, our leadership over that, our dominion, points towards God and his perfect nature and character and attributes. And we have the ability to create. We can make beautiful things. That, that points towards our wonderful creator, which is God. And so we're made in his image, all humans. It says male and female. Point, point, important point to hear on this is that God is the creator, created us to have gender. God was the one that decided if we should be male or if we should be female, And God said it was good. As the creatures, it's not our prerogative to determine our gender. That's for God because he is the wonderful creator. And he makes us male and female. And he says they're both equal. They're both made in the image of God. Men and women have the same dignity and worth and value. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So we're made in his image, we reflect Him somehow. We have these genders that that God has has given us and created us in. And therefore we have worth and dignity. And, And one more thing to note, is that we as people are the only ones that are called or described as being made in the image of God. No other created creature is made in the image of God. Only people. So there's something really unique about people that that shows God. And so we're unique. We all have this mark. We have dignity and value. Everyone. Everyone from the baby in the womb to the 102-year-old Alzheimer's patient in memory care. Every single person, all 7 billion people have value and worth and dignity to God. Imago day made in his image. Wow. <laughs> and so God says this about us. We follow God. And so people should matter to us. Kind of like a logical conclusion, right? God cares for the worth, the value of every person. Therefore, we should too. Turn from Genesis 1. Now go to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew. But go to chapter 22. Matthew 22. We see this really key teaching from Jesus. Matthew 22, on the screen it will say 39, but let's go back a couple verses to verse 37 because it's all linked together. Matthew 22, verse 37 says this. Jesus speaking said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is a reference uh, to the Old Testament, to the law. And Jesus quoting that. And then verse 38, this is the great and foremost commandment. So what's the first commandment? Love God God with everything. And then look what it says in verse 39. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. They're tied together. We're called to love God. And then we're called to love God our neighbor love our neighbor as what as ourself you see we are made in the image of god so each of us has value and dignity and worth and i hope you know that and understand that because satan the accuser is constantly 24/7 telling you you don't have value or worth or dignity and so it can be easy to believe that lie But truth is that you are made in the image of God. You are so valuable. And as you realize that truth, you realize how much you're loved by Jesus, then out of that we love our neighbor as a way to respond back, as a way to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Who is our neighbor? I think that was mentioned in the Bible, right? The Good Samaritan story. Jesus reflects on that and says, "It's not exactly who you think it is. <laughs> your neighbor can be your family, your neighbor can be your friends, your neighbor can be your geographical neighbor that you live next to or in front of or on top of. Your neighbor can be your coworkers or your friends from your hobbies. But the scriptures also say that your neighbor can be your enemy." Your neighbor can be the skeptic. Your neighbor can be the stranger. God opens up the paradigm of what we can be considered for, what we're looking for when it comes to loving our neighbor. If you could boil it all down, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but it would be this. Your neighbor is whoever God has you come across the path of. Your neighbor is whoever in a daily life, your everyday life, that that you interact with, that you come around. Think about yesterday. Think about your Saturday. Did you have a good Saturday? Think about the people that you interacted with yesterday. That's your neighbor. That's who you're called to love yesterday. In fact, if, if you have your journal still open, just there's like a little note side on the right-hand column. Would you just even jot down who were a few people that you came across yesterday? Who were some of the people that We could consider your neighbor yesterday, and you might not know them by name. Maybe you'll just say the barista at Starbucks on Santa Clara Avenue. Uh, A woman at Target that I waved at and we laughed about something in the aisle way. Um, The little league team that uh, all the parents, we were gathered together watching the game yesterday. Who did you come across yesterday? Just think for a moment, jot down. If you don't have pen or paper, that's okay. Just even reflect who was your neighbor Yesterday, I want you to take a moment and think about that. And I'd like to lead us in a prayer of blessing for those people. God knows everyone knows them by name. Let's pray right now. Father, thank you for who you allowed to come across our path yesterday. God, each of them is made in your image. Loved, valued by you. God, maybe there was a moment yesterday we got to communicate that love. God, maybe there was a moment that we missed an opportunity. God, would you open our eyes to see our neighbor, to see them, to really see people. God, grow us in this way. In the name of Christ, amen. I think we miss opportunities to love our neighbor because we're often tempted to value people based on their appearance, on their production, or what they can do for us. And I think that's especially a temptation or struggle here in Southern California, specifically here in Orange County, because there's so many people. (laughs) This is the 405. There's just so many people in our region, isn't there? Everywhere you go, there's people. And the more people you encounter, the the less valuable and important and, and less that we notice them, right? They're just kind of distractions impeding us on our way everywhere. And don't even get me started at LAX. That's like a whole other, like, sermon in itself. New York has this same issue. There was one single photographer that about a decade ago said, you know what, I want to humanize the people of New York. And so he started this photolog of taking photos of random people around New York and then researching their stories and and telling their stories. And it was revolutionary. People loved it. New York, such a a bustling place. You're just squeezing into subways and and you're late everywhere. All of a sudden, people were able to pause and go, wow, every person matters. This was a a secular project, but but boy, it sure encourages us as, as followers of Jesus, doesn't it? Here are some of his photos. <laughs> She's made in the image of God. He's valuable, worthwhile, an image bearer of God, complete dignity, loved by God more than he'll ever know. imagine. We have a version of uh, Humans in New York here. It's our friend Brian Peterson that's been around Calvary several times. Wonderful guy. Uh, And Brian uh, paints portraits of homeless people here in Santa Ana. You can look up his work online. It's Faces of Santa Ana. It's, It's a wonderful project as he brings value and worth and dignity, helping people see those that frankly we don't always see. Jesus is the prime example of this. Jesus and people. Jesus saw people didn't he? In Matthew chapter 9. If you're in 2223 go back to Matthew 9. You got to just hear this story for yourself once more one more time. Matthew 9, 19. It says this in Matthew 9, 19. And Jesus got up from the table and began to accompany him along with his disciples. So Jesus gets up, leaves the house. He's got people crowded around him. Verse 20. And behold, a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhage for 12 years came up from behind him and touched the border of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, if only I can touch his cloak, I will get well. And then look at verse 22 of Matthew 9. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was well. This is our God, the one that can heal. But also the one who sees in a crowd of people, Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And he sees this woman. If you know first century culture, this woman would have been ostracized, forgotten, overlooked because of her symptoms. And yet Jesus sees her. Oh, people of Calvary, may we see people. And then you see in the scriptures and the gospels that Jesus invited people, people like Matthew who wrote this gospel. Jesus sees him, the tax collector, the shamed one, the, the Jewish exile who had turned against his people, taking taxes from them, overburdening them with taxes, cheating them. Jesus sees Matthew and invites him in and says, I want to come eat with you. Oh, may we, as the people of Calvary be invitational. As we see people, may we also invite them into our lives. We value people. Jesus served people. John 13, don't turn there now, but you can look at it later. Jesus takes out his outer cloak in the upper room and bends down to the disciples, including Judas, the one that would betray him. And Jesus does what? Jesus washes their feet as a symbolic gesture of what he was about to do. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus saw people, he invited people in, and he served people, ultimately serving them by going to the cross. You see, we as people we got a problem, and that's sin. Sin separates us from God. And although we're made in the image of God and have value, worth, and dignity, our relationship with God is broken because of our own sin and the sin that we've inherited. Jesus, because he valued people, came into our world and became a person. And went to the cross, not for what he had done, but what for every person had done. Jesus shed his blood on the cross for people. The Bible says that whoever believes in Jesus as their savior, the leader of their life, the Lord of their life, will have their sins washed clean once and for all. And they will become a new person, a new people. This is what Jesus has done for us. He sees us. He invites us in. He serves us by his ransom on the cross. Pays the ultimate cost for people. So as his followers, as a way to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we're called to also love people, value people. For some of us, that's going to take some repentance. Hey, I have overlooked a lot of people. It's also going to take some renewal. God, help me to see people like you do. I am guilty of taking these 7.8 billion people and just getting overwhelmed by that and just kind of doing my own thing. We want to be different here at Calvary Church. Can you imagine how cool it would be you're like at a local coffee shop. You're just like sitting there reading. And all of a sudden you overhear like two people talking at, at the table next to you. And one person goes, hey, uh, I heard you're going to a new church. Yeah, yeah, I, I found this great church. It's called uh, Calvary Church, Santa Ana. Oh, yeah, I love Calvary Chapel. <laughs> no, no, Calvary Church, It's on 1010 North Tustin. Uh, non-denominational church, been around for almost 90 years. Yeah, Calvary chapels are the best. <laughs> no, no, cal- Sorry, inside joke for a lot of us that, that experience these conversations. But uh, no, Calvary Church. Well, okay, whatever it's called. What, what's it like? It's not a perfect church at all. <laughs> but let me tell you, that place genuinely loves people. And not just like a certain type of person. Like, like they have like a deep love For people. It's not fake. It's not just on the surface until you get in and then they're good. No, they they deeply, genuinely, authentically love people. And you're at the table next to them just like, yes. (laughs) That's the goal, right? Not so the name of Calvary is lifted up or your name or anyone's name other than the name of Jesus, amen? The reason we value people is to lift up the name of Jesus. I wanna tell you one last story. It's uh, my friend Brad Ayers goes here to Calvary. Uh, over the years we've done um, different outreach events. A couple years ago we did this event called Neighbor Good and we invited the neighbors around the church uh, to come onto our campus and we just wanted to serve them with no strings attached. Uh, We fixed bikes, we washed cars, we distributed groceries, um, we fixed or changed oil on cars. It was just just a wonderful day. We also had a haircut station. And I was struggling as the person that was in charge of that to find enough stylists to cut hair. It's a Saturday event and that's a big day for most hairstylists. And so I was short a couple hairstylists. Brad comes up to me at the beginning of the morning and he goes, hey, how can I help you? And I just kind of threw it out as a joke and I'm like, well, we need some more hair cutters. And he kind of looks at me and he goes, well, I cut my boys hair all the time. When I go home and get my clippers and I can at least cut some guys hair, I'm like, awesome, do it. So Brad goes back to his house, gets his clippers, shows up at Calvary and just starts going to town, military style, flat tops, buzzes, (laughs) fades. The event closes at about 12.30 with the lunch and volunteers leave or the neighbors that were serving were leaving it was just a great day. I was so happy with the day. Then this homeless woman walks onto the campus and I'm gonna do my best to describe the situation. She was pushing a baby stroller and literally she had 12 dogs with leashes attached all around the stroller. And every one of the dogs was barking at the same time. <laughs> and she's pushing this stroller. And it's just kind of chaos. There's dogs all over the place barking. She's kind of talking really fast and quickly. And she comes up to me. If you don't know, if you're new here, I'm the outreach pastor at Calvary Church. One of the outreach pastors with John Smalley. So my job is to, to reach out to people. She comes to me and goes, hey, I heard you're giving haircuts. Can I get a haircut? Can I get a haircut? And your outreach pastor at Calvary Church said, sorry, we're done. We're closed. She goes, oh, okay. Brad, with his buzz cut clippers, sees her, sees our interaction. He says, I'll cut your hair. (laughs) Because I don't really know what I'm doing. (laughs) But I I can at least get it wet and cut the ends. She goes, that would be great. So she moves her stroller with all the dogs, they're all just barking everywhere. We get them off to the side. And Brad, in the most honorable, dignifying, humble way, cuts this woman's hair. It blew me away. It's like one of the top five best moments I've ever experienced at this church. A believer in Jesus valuing a person made in the image of God and bringing much glory to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? May those type of stories mark the life of Calvary Church. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you that we are made in your image. If there is anyone that's hearing my voice that is listening to lies right now, that they are not worthy or valuable or loved by you, God, break in with truth. That, God, each person has dignity and honor and is loved by you. Imago day. And, God, as we realize that truth, maybe we be wonderful communicators of that truth to the 7.8 billion people in our world. God, show us who our neighbor is today. And may we love them in a way that points them to you. Thank you, God, for people. Amen.